Hello, is this thing on? Happy Friday, everyone. I know it's probably Thursday um, if you are listening on the day this comes out, but it's Friday for us and I'm very excited. Welcome back to another episode of Energy 101. We actually have two special guests today, sort of. <laughs> uh, before we jump into who our guest is today, we have a new DW Energy 101 member coming in, Crystal. She joined our team in February. Um, do you just want to introduce yourself real quick? Uh, yeah. Great. I'm Crystal. <laughs> um, I'm the customer experience coordinator, so I work very closely with Sydney and um, Matt and Jake and sales and that stuff. But excited, very nervous. And no, don't be nervous. And we love her. She's we been love the her. best. Yes, addition. She's crushing it. Yeah, I love it here. I'm having so much fun. Yay! And Julie's here too, per usual. Hi. Yeah. <laughs> and the guest of honor, Lisa Hoff. Hello, hello. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. So today we are going to dive a little bit more into Bitcoin. For those of you that listened um, to our episode with Justin, I'm actually excited we did that first because I didn't know anything about Bitcoin and Bitcoin mining before that episode. I I think what we talked about is I could read a lot of the words, but I still didn't like fully understand what they meant. So he came on and did a great job of dumbing it down for us. So now I'm like, now when we talk about it, like I actually can, you know, put things together. Put things together. Yeah. yeah. I think that was one of the episodes Crystal listened to. Yeah. Before she came on board too. Yeah. And it was really important, like right before Empower, because I yeah. came on right when we were like in the thick of it. And I had no idea like what Bitcoin was, what the relation to energy was. So I listened to that and I was like, okay. Now I get I it. I, I think I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> That's all it takes. Yeah. Yeah. One, one little nugget. And yeah. Pull you in, yeah. Venus flytrap, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then you're sucked in. You're sucked in. Can't get out. So let's yeah. dive into your background before we kind of get into the thick of it. Yeah. So I've had a couple of careers before being a Bitcoin zealot, uh, but the one that I, I guess, I'm probably most proud of is I was in the energy business for a very long time. Graduated from college, and my very first job was working for Solomon Brothers. They had a trading desk in Houston called Fibro Energy. And it's a very long time ago. Y'all were even born. <laughs> and I I took that job. It was really a fluke. So I graduated from SMU. I had a science degree. I think I had a minor in math. Uh, I, don't, I honestly don't remember. And I was having a really hard time getting the job that I wanted. Mm -hmm. So the job that I wanted, I thought I'd be perfect for pharmaceutical sales. And I kept interviewing for jobs and not getting the job. That surprised me. I feel like I, I can see you yeah, right. as a, yes, as a sales <laughs> filter out there. Just, I know. I was like going to get really excited about, I don't know, selling something. Heart medication. Who knows? Anything. Who knows? <laughs> but so this was back in the time when you would submit your resume and a cover letter. It was back when you wrote cover letters for jobs. You'd mail them in. And so I was reading the Houston Chronicle oh, look, there's an ad for an analyst. I have no idea what this is. I'm going to send in my cover letter and my resume. Well, they brought me in for an interview. Turns out they had 400 applicants and they hired two people. Um, I got the job. Wow. And a gentleman named Toby Sands was the other individual who got the job. He, was, he is from Norway. 
And I'm sure that he did all of the work in the first six months <laughs> because I had no idea what I was doing. Um, in fact, the night before I started, my brother-in-law, David, said, so are you working on their commodities desk or their equities desk? And I was like, I'll let you know one more because I don't even know what either of those is. <laughs> I was about to say, like, what is that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it was on their commodities desk, obviously. So fibro it was all commodities, which, um, you know, oil, heavy fuels, natural gas, um, petrochemicals, et cetera, et cetera. And I really figured out in the first few months that, so, so by the way, this was like, y'all's office is amazing. You know, I love it. I say it every time I come in here, it has the best vibe. And fibro office, super cool. It was downtown nice. and it was this huge football field floor completely open and it was just rows of desks so there would be like i don't know 20 rows of you know with 10 desks kind of down the way so everybody had multiple screens and multiple phones and everybody had the same chair everybody had one of those herman miller chairs and it really became super clear that the guy sitting next to me was probably making four or five times as much or 10 times as much money 20 times as much money as i was making um, and he really wasn't any smarter than I was. I mean, I was convinced, like, it's not like I'm super smart. I mean, I, th I think I am smart, but it's not like I'm some rocket scientist. Right. And he was no rocket scientist and he's making all this money. And by the way, his hours were a lot shorter and he looked like he was having more fun than I was, you know, doing the P&L. So that was my goal. I set my goal on becoming a trader and that's what I did. So I've had some great roles, um, last role I had that I was really proud of. I mean, I was proud of all of them, but I worked at PG&E Energy and I ran the East Coast Trading. So we had a lot of physical assets. Uh, we had like three trillion cubic feet of storage in the Gulf Coast. We had pipeline capacity. We had several thousand megawatts. And I was on our hedge team for our energy, all of our energy assets, but our power generation specifically, because the market that I specialized in was our Northeast gas market. There were really complicated, really small pipelines that were mm -hmm. always constrained and always had problems. So if you owned assets where those pipelines were located, you had the most flexibility and you really had a responsibility of being a market maker mm -hmm. because there were a lot of people that would trade those, um, those pipelines either just speculatively or maybe they also had um, generation you know, supply needs up there. But um, learn so learning how to arbitrage between the assets and then also managing a speculative financial book uh, was just, it was just a whole lot of fun. I didn't know that about you. There you go. I mean, I figured you'd come from energy, but I feel like when we met, you were already in the Bitcoin space. So yeah, I just, I didn't know. I know. Well, there's this huge connection between Bitcoin and energy. And I think a lot of people, when you, me included, mm -hmm. when you first get into Bitcoin, you're you're listening to the macro narrative so you're listening to the fed is raising rates and um, we're printing money and inflation you're hearing all of these cues but you don't understand that bitcoin really isn't driven by that i mean i was about mm -hmm. to say bitcoin doesn't care it doesn't care it doesn't yeah. it doesn't need the fed it it will exist you know inside the system, outside the system, however you want to think about it, it's its own deal. It's like its own little planetary, mm -hmm. plan planetary something. Um, so anyway, most people don't understand the connection between Bitcoin right. and energy. 
and I'm not, and, and I didn't when I first came into it, and maybe I, I didn't really fully grasp it until I started um, really participating here locally in Houston mm -hmm. um, at some of y'all's events, and uh, certainly working with Parker Lewis at, at Unchained mm -hmm. Capital. I would say that Parker was absolute visionary in um, making the correlation between Bitcoin and energy, and helping people grasp that. Yeah. So, but once you've once you've sort of got it, it it makes you dig in even deeper, right? Because right. like y'all are in Houston, y'all have, you know, loads of contacts that are in the energy business. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is kind of your, the meat of your business and, and the, your ecosystem. And when you understand that there's this huge connection to Bitcoin, it's like, wow, you know, yeah, okay, I live in the heartbeat of America. Everything that we need basically is either delivered on the ship channel or yeah. refined in, on the Gulf Coast. I mean, that's the engine that keeps us running and and now we've got Bitcoin that's part of that. So let's dive into what is the connection between Bitcoin and energy? Yeah, so the connection between Bitcoin and energy is that, you know, the narrative out there is that Bitcoin uses a lot of energy. Right. And factually, it uses less than um, less than 0.1% of the energy that is produced. So this is worldwide. Worldwide, yeah. There's more energy wasted than is consumed by the entire Bitcoin network. Wow. But still, it it uses energy. And the true innovation um, of this ecosystem, it, and a lot of people say, you know, oh, I'm not interested in Bitcoin, but I'm interested in blockchain. Which is a little like saying, I'm interested in the copper wire, not the electricity. Mm -hmm. But I would offer to you that Yes, blockchain is part of the innovation, but it is the proof of work. It is blockchain and proof of work. So blockchain with the brute force energy, right? Mm -hmm. You have to have an input in order to produce a product, right? No different than manufacturing any other product. Um, you know, if, if I were to manufacture, a, going back to pharmaceuticals, if I were to manufacture um, a pharmaceutical, you would want me to use real ingredients. You wouldn't want me to like be, you know, um, concocting stuff out of thin air and just going, well, just pretend this is what I'm living in. And essentially that's what a proof of stake network is. It's, um, it's, there's, there's no computational effort. There's no hard ingredient that goes into making that product. So all value of Bitcoin is derived from the fact that there only ever will be 21 million. Right. And that is in part due to, um, well, it's that is in, is due to the um, mathematical um, code that what's in the code, but that it takes energy to make that a reality. Yeah, yeah. I will say back in like twenty, oh, gosh, 2016, 2017, I was one of those people saying blockchain, not Bitcoin. Um, I worked for a couple of. Um, ICOs like they were building their technologies um, which is really cool to be a part of like that's a really interesting like part of my life that I'm like I look back and I'm like well, what was I doing um, but tell people what that is so an ICO is initial coin offering so back in 2017 there was this huge bubble and in, in the crypto space and what was happening were these new technologies were being developed and they would do 
what was called an ICO. So they would get loads and loads of money, investors. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that they were basically investing in the coin and then building out the technology later. But a lot of that technology was never built. So you built it out thinking one day it could be utilized. Right. Um, so half of it was like people actually believed in the technology. Other half of it, people just wanted to make money. Yeah. Um, so and I don't even know if I'm explaining this. Yeah, that's exactly right. And actually, statistically, it's like so I, the number I've heard is 78% of all ICOs that were ever brought to market came to market without a digit of code. It was wild. I'm not kidding you. Being in that space was wild. How much money these companies were getting and having zero product or either like even like close to a product like you're you're at an idea and they were s- still getting all this money. millions and millions hundreds of millions of dollars and then people would just lose it all um so you they would have like drops where they, yeah. you would get drop the coin um if you i don't know join their ico group yeah. or whatever um but half of, like so you could have all these coins that were gonna be worth something one right. day but that never came to fruition the ones that I worked on, I don't think are a thing anymore. Um, really cool ideas. Like one of them was called Ship Chain, and it was logistics, shipping and logistics on the blockchain, and like really knowing from where it starts and seeing the transactions on the blockchain, like seeing that uh, throughout its life cycle. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was really like a cool technology, but never made it. Yeah, people often refer to technology. Um, around blockchain and they think oh it's really going to be transformational yeah. in the supply chain um, realm and IBM I think spent like 200 million wow quite a bit of money working on that and it's my understanding that it it might still be in existence but they've pretty much abandoned that they've determined that it's not going to work yeah um, the same thing with the Australian stock exchange spent not an insignificant amount of money, um, thinking that they would put their trading on the blockchain. And that's and that my understanding that they've abandoned that also. So, I mean, is blockchain uh, useful? Yes. I would say, though, that anything that is not built with proof of work mm-hmm. um, is no different than a ledger, you know, an Excel spreadsheet that, that people can easily change. Right. Yeah. So most of it was proof of stake. Because it was all built on Ethereum, um, which, yeah, isn't as which is Bitcoin's the only thing that's proof of work. Yeah, Yeah. Ethereum is garbage, (laughs) and it will fail. And I will not say I told you so, but I will be happy. I will be you know what? I will be happy for um, the average investor when it becomes clear that there only ever there only ever can be one winner yeah in this space yeah makes sense yep yeah how did you get into the space okay (laughs) is this a good one well people laugh when i tell the story but it's a true story so i had been living on this tiny little island in the East Coast, and, and um, it was fantastic. That sounds lovely. It was. <laughs> I would like to do that. <laughs> it was. It was like seven square miles, and we had two state parks, nine working farms. It was incredible. 
Um, but I decided to move back to Houston. I, so I grew up here and, you know, obviously worked in the energy business. I was largely here, although when I was at pg and I was in Washington, D.C. So anyway, I decide, okay, I need to get a job. I'm going to go back to Houston and I'm going to go back to the energy business. So I moved back to Houston and didn't really start a job search. Um, I was trading my own portfolio and really studying um, technology stocks, which I can tell you how I launched in, into, um, I, I can continue the story in that. But so I come back and I start dating and I was dating, I dated a guy for a little while, super nice man. Um, he has his own oil and gas production company, family company. And he was um, a consultant, I think at McKinsey, for a long time. And he looked at me one night at dinner and said, I think that you should start consulting practice, teaching people about Bitcoin so that you can talk to them about Bitcoin during the day and we can talk about something else at night. <laughs> right. And I thought, you know, that is a brilliant idea. That is what I will do. So I spun up a deck and started telling people that, um, actually I printed up cards that say, I like to talk about Bitcoin. <laughs> and I started telling people that I was, you know, I'm not sure I used the word expert, but I, but I told people I knew a lot about Bitcoin and I could help them understand it. Wait, what year was this in? This is like beginning of 21. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. This is the, yeah. Because I started learning about Bitcoin in 20, like late 2018, okay. 2019. Okay. Started investing a little bit, like, you know, like I bought like $100 or something. Right. Um, so I print up this deck and this gentleman introduces me to several of his friends and I start reaching out to my friends and saying, hey, I'm gonna, I think I'm going to try to get a consulting business off yeah. the ground. And all my friends were super supportive, said, okay, come talk to me. Let's go talk to my wealth manager. Mm -hmm. uh, those wealth managers introduced me to other wealth managers. So my my strategy for getting the business off the ground was, okay, how am I going to get people to hire me? Well, I'm, I'll give you a tip. If anybody wants to start a consulting practice, first of all, you have to do good work, but um, give away your service. Mm -hmm. Probably the first 10 clients that I had, yeah. I said, if you will write me, I, I will do this for free. But if, if you find what I give you valuable, if you'll please write me a testimonial, mm -hmm. please write a reference for me that I can use on my, on my website. And that is how I had my first, you know, five or 10, whatever, great testimonials. And then those people also referred me to other people. Right. So anyway, so I go to attend the um, Texas Blockchain Council thing in Austin. And I'm standing at the very end of the conference. I'm the last person to walk out of the conference room. I guess I'd been like, checking my computer or something, catching up on email. And as I'm walking through the hallway in this AT&T conference center in Austin, Parker Lewis is like over on the other side of the hallway and he's talking to somebody. And he kind of looks across the way and goes, hey, that's a great jacket. <laughs> so I had on a flight jacket that had as a, a big American flag patch. So anyway, I walked over and introduced myself to him. And, and what was great was that he introduced himself to me. He like put his hand out and said, I'm Parker Lewis. 
I'm like, I know who you are. I've watched you. <laughs> You know, yeah, I don't, I've read everything you've yeah. written. I watched you on all this stuff, um, but it was really sweet. Actually, I'm, a long time ago, I met um, Jacqueline Onassis, and same thing. She, when I met her, she introduced herself. Oh, that's awesome! So, yeah. Um, and by the way, I'm a first name last name introducer, so it really bothers me when people don't say their last name. When you know, I, I don't know. It's like have. You know, you have parents or you're, you have a last name, you should use it. Unless I guess you're in the Bitcoin space and then you don't want to give your first name. Well, you're like, <laughs> anything at all. Yeah. Too late for that. Um, so anyway, that's how I basically went to work for Unchained. Parker invited me to come talk to them. And from, you know, once I got there, it was like, if you're working at Unchained, you're on the mothership of Bitcoin. And just being able to work in that group and learn from all of those people was an incredible, an incredible experience. How long were you there? I was there just under a year. Okay. And what did you do while you worked for them? Um, client services in Houston. Okay. So I worked with Mario Gutierrez. Yeah, me up, Mario. Yes. Everyone does. He's the best. He is so, he is the hardest working man in show business. And he's so, like you, is so good to us as a company and so helpful in just spreading the message about the community and empower and our influence. I love her. Anything like Bitcoin. Yeah. Our Bitcoin bros. Our Bitcoin bros and Lisa. And Lisa. <laughs> that could be a bro. You got yeah. me. Like, all good. You're included. <laughs> you are. Uh, yeah. So he and I. Both have we both have energy backgrounds. Mm -hmm. So Mario was a geologist, or he, he has a geology degree, but it's more than that. Like he's like he a has, geophysicist yeah, or something. Exactly. Like yeah, he's like two graduates. Yeah, it's like <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyway, was it was at Exxon and just has incredible technical knowledge of the space. And uh, he and I would go around to investment banks or private equity firms, energy companies family offices and kind of give our spiel on, mm -hmm. you know, either what the hell is Bitcoin or what is Bitcoin mining and just help people touch that space, right? Unchained is not a salesy place, right? They, they are, I always say that um, my strategy for business development mm -hmm. lies within one key metric, which is to be of service. And that's that. very closely aligned with Unchained. It's, they just want to be of service. They're not there to sell you something. Yes, they they offer the ability to buy Bitcoin and they'll help yeah. you figure out how to hold your own private keys, but to be of service. Mm -hmm. So Mario and I were out in the community actively, you know, trying to spread the message of Bitcoin. Yeah. I love that. How did the energy companies respond to you? Like, were most of them, like, not willing to learn? So it's been an interesting journey with the energy companies and uh, so when i had my consulting practice before unchained i started talking to several of the energy companies and they have gone from oh no 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 my shareholder would kill my shareholders would kill me or you know that is not within our mission to Hey, can you come back in and talk to us again? Can you meet with so and so on this team? And we're going to form a team on the X, you know, let's explore Bitcoin mining. Yeah. 
And, and I'll tell you really why it matters. So this is what I'm most interested about in Bitcoin right now is because I believe that the next wave of adoption comes from the energy companies. Mm -hmm. If, and I'm just going to use examples, I'm not going to, you know, these may or may not be people that I've spoken to directly, but I'm going to, I'm going to use company names to give you a visual. If you are Calpine, so the third largest energy producer, power producer in the country, in Texas, a non-zero percent of the time, they pay ERCOT to take excess power. Now, I've heard loosely that it's around 4%. Mm -hmm. So 4% of the time, you have an energy company paying someone else to take their excess, to take a product that they just made. Like, in what world is that realistic? Yeah, yeah. And, right, not realistic. So they have an interest and a duty, in my view, to their shareholders. You know, okay, Bitcoin mining exists. Maybe it didn't exist five years ago. Right. You didn't understand it, but you do now. You've seen it, right? The veil's off. I believe that that all energy companies will start to use Bitcoin mining as you know, a way to fine tune their revenue initially. But, you know, my belief is the price of Bitcoin grows, even if they allocate, you know, tiny bit of resources to it, if they hold that on their balance sheet, uh, and maybe they will or maybe they won't, uh, if they do, it will become a large part of their, their was, corporate directive. I was about to ask if normally do they hold it or do they think like, uh, like are, cause there are some Bitcoin mining companies who they can sell their excess energy to, correct? So they're getting paid then in USD rather than holding it and not knowing. What are you seeing? Like, what do most of them do? The energy companies? Yes. I'm not aware that any energy companies are holding Bitcoin on their balance sheet. And if they were a public company, they'd have to disclose it. Mm. And if they disclosed it, the whole market would know. Um, I'm yeah. not aware that that anyone is currently. They will be. Yeah. You know, I mean. I am so ready for the first one. Like, I just want to see the. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, I just am so curious who will be the first mover. And well. Um, I can't remember if, if it was your conference. Was Shell a sponsor of Empower? No, and Shell <clears throat> okay. is... Sponsor us, please. <laughs> well, they're sponsoring Bitcoin 2023, yeah. 2024, 2025, but won't, they won't, we can't, like, talk to them. Um, so we haven't been in contact with them at all. We're in their own backyard. Like, mm -hmm. we're in the hub. Shell. Literally. Shell. I'm calling you out. <laughs> but yeah, like, no, that that really bothers me that they're like going to Bitcoin, which is great. Do that. But also support your community here. Especially like we're the hub of Bitcoin mining. Yes. Like your target, what you specifically do in your company and how you can help the industry is us. It's not Bitcoin 2023, whatever. It's Empower. It's focused on mining. We had a sponsor, Moonshot Pods. Um, so first men in power, they had a great time and they were going to Bitcoin 2023. Um, and I just remember them being a little, not nervous, but they're just like, yeah, we're going to see how it goes. It's 
really expensive and I'm just kind of, you know, worried that it's it's a lot of people who are just really into Bitcoin and not necessarily on the energy side. He was like, it was really nice being here because all of these people here are focused on the mining energy sector so they could actually work with us and use our product and things like that. So, right. So for folks that don't know, um, the reason why Shell, okay, so they were, they were sponsored the Bitcoin conference. Yeah. Um, they make a fluid that is used in immersion lining, Mm -hmm. right? So that is the connection for anybody that's not familiar. Um, okay. Shell, paging Shell, (laughs) please call digital wildcat. (laughs) (laughs) We will love that. No, but yeah, so I think a lot of what what's really interesting to me, and I'm glad you brought that up, is a lot of these energy companies are producing mm-hmm. things that can be used in Bitcoin mining or things like that, like that fluid in the immersion. Immersion mm-hmm. cooling, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's like baby oil. It's like a baby oil fluid. So it helps you mitigate heat. Um, basically, Bitcoin mining machine for people that aren't familiar, it looks like a shoebox, although larger than probably our shoeboxes. Um, it, they have fans on the end of them. So to immerse this in a liquid, you take uh, the fan off, certainly. And um, I'm not sure how what other things that you have to do. But basically, you dunk this in this baby oil-like fluid, and it helps you mitigate mm. the heat. Which in turn makes it more efficient. It does. It costs it higher energy. Yeah, so it can... I don't know if it changes the energy cost, but it definitely... Um, I think you can overclock, so you, it make it gives you more efficiency. And I've heard people say that it also extends the life of nice. your machine. Yeah. That makes sense. Good. So, paging shell, please call Digital Wildcatters. You need to be more involved in the Houston Bitcoin mining community because Houston is the Bitcoin mining capital of the world. Yes, that's yes. what Parker Lewis says, so it must be true. Yep, <laughs> we'll take it. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so. So that so Calpine, right? So a non-zero percent of the time they pay ERCOT. I'm going to give you another example. Um, I recently met with a company that is one of the largest um, EMP companies out in the Gulf, right? So they've got rigs in the Gulf. So the oil goes into a pipeline and comes back to shore. But they use gas on that rig to fire the rig, mm-hmm. right? They cook and they run their computers and they did all of this activity. They still flare gas. Right. So, all right, let me get this straight. So you fly people on helicopters <laughs> out to a rig. You pay them. You haul all of this equipment out there. You go down hundreds of feet to secure this rig to the ocean floor or however they do it. Um, My point is you've spent a ton of money Mm -hmm. to build this out and you're literally lighting something that you brought (laughs) out of the ground on fire. Like to me, it's a little bit of a baking soda moment, right? Like let me go to the store and buy this little box and I'm going to come home, rip it open and dump it down the drain. Yeah. (laughs) Like. God, whoever came up with the marketing of baking soda is a, is a sheer genius, right? <laughs> because let me just tell you, ice accomplishes exactly the same thing. Cleans your drink, cleans your disposal thing, right? Yeah. Anyway, 
Not like I'm Heloise the homemaker, but <laughs> no, I was told the same thing. I had somebody who came down to my house and worked on some of my plumbing and he told me ice ice. Yeah. So, yeah. How do you use you just put it down there? Yeah. It cleans it. It like sharpens the blades, cleans it up. You put your your little on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. that too. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, baking soda, you know, I mean, another helpful Heloise tip is I mean, it's a fantastic exfoliant for your skin. Huh. You don't have to spend money on uh, anything. You can just use baking soda. I did not know that. Yeah, my grandmother taught me that. Love that. I'm going to try that. Me too. We'll report back. Okay, so these rigs are lighting stuff on fire because they have excess. That makes no sense. I mean, you have midstream companies. You've got um, gathering plants with excess heat that they could be using to power Bitcoin mining machines are often referred to as rigs, but they could, you could be mining Bitcoin with your excess heat. In fact, the other night I had dinner with um, a company on the East Coast who is um, doing some financial restructuring. They make ice and they sell their waste heat or their byproduct to someone else so that they can make something. Okay, great. But like, I guess New York, um, parts of the country don't actively embrace Bitcoin mining. But, I mean, if you are an industrial producer mm -hmm. and you have waste heat, you should be considering mining Bitcoin. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you should at least run the numbers. Right. Yeah. If you need help, like, call me and I'll tell you who to call. Right. I have maybe a stupid question. Uh, there but... are no stupid questions. <laughs> um, okay, so when... Oil and gas companies flare. It doesn't matter what they're flaring, like whatever Not gas yes. that is. Yeah. It doesn't matter what it is. It can be used to power a Bitcoin miner. Um, Yeah, that, that's, that's not a dumb question. That's a really good question. So... I'm not a natural gas, um, I'm not a component expert, but yeah, natural gas typically has other gases that are in it. And so when it's um, shipped to a processing plant, it might extract um, the other liquids, mm -hmm. right? Uh, so I don't know what they have out, okay. out there specifically. Um, I've, I've just always been curious of that because I know sometimes they flare for safety reasons, like if that's gas is or whatever, maybe it's not all gas, but maybe it's some kind of chemical or something yeah. that just- Yeah, it's the, it's it's the dangerous liquids. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I was just curious if- Yeah, well, I mean, if they're onshore, you would basically separate those because in a lot of cases, those those liquids are more valuable than the gas. Okay. Yeah. So, and this might be another question that's- That was a great question. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, whenever you- and I know you're not an expert in mining, but I feel like you will know this answer. Do you, do you, if you are taking your flared gas and you're like, no, I want to use it for mining, does it then go to midstream, like a pipeline and then go to the Bitcoin miner? Or do you co-locate and it goes directly there? Like, how do they do that? Yeah. Okay. That No, that's a fantastic question. And this is the cool thing about mining Bitcoin is that um, you can scale it to the size of your supply. So let's just say that um, that I have gas coming out of the ground in a field, right? I, I own a property and I have a gas well. Mm -hmm. I can drop those Bitcoin 
mining computers in a shipping container. I mean, I, I could drop them like in a porta potty container, right? You can size those for the amount of gas that you have coming out. Um, the gas comes out of the um, out of the ground into essentially um, hose into a generator. Generator converts into electricity. You plug your Bitcoin miners in. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. So Bitcoin mining, I mean, not to um, not to like diverge, but it's also making use of not only wasted energy, but wasted resources right. or like scrap things all over the world. Um, so for example, I was out at a site recently with some Bitcoin miners and they had purchased 40 year old generators that were like going to go, I don't know, in generator <laughs> graveland. <laughs> and these guys were, um, you know, fixing it up, refurbishing the generator so that they could mine Bitcoin. But they, you know, they, people are scouting for these, um, Bitcoin miners, Yes, you could go buy new generators, right? right? But like, they're keeping input costs low wow. so that they can maximize mm -hmm. the efficiency, the economic efficiency of their projects. Mm -hmm. So that's like the cool thing about a Bitcoin mm -hmm. miner is that people are mining off of um, landfills, right? They're using the methane that comes out of a landfill to mine. They're mining um, off waterfalls. They're mining off geothermal. They're yeah. It's I think my favorite use case, and I mean, it, obviously, flared gas is a great use case, but renewables don't have storage right now, so it's not easy to store wind power or solar power. Um, but using that excess, whenever no one else is using it, instead of it just going to waste, powering Bitcoin mining, like it's it's so cool. I don't know how people aren't bought in. What? Why do you think companies are so like hesitant with doing it? Because it, when you break it down like that, it just makes so much sense. Like, why aren't right. people doing it? Yeah, I don't think that they're against it. I, I mean, I'll just speak from my very own experience talking to. I'll use. I'll just. I'm not going to use their name, but two plus years ago, talking to one of these companies and them looking at me straight in the eye and saying. I just cannot like that. It, my shareholders, I cannot use the word Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. Right. To fast forward, I see them in February at an event. And this is not a Bitcoin company. They're at a, they are attending a Bitcoin event and they tap me on the shoulder and they go, guess what? No. <laughs> right. But that yeah. it, it's just a learning curve. Right. We, did I, you know that like this was happening until someone here just told you like that? CBS does not tell you this. Yeah. CNBC yeah. does not tell these stories, right. right? The mainstream, by the way, if you're still watching the news, like, please stop. <laughs> <laughs> For real. Yeah. For real. For real. <laughs> it's such a, it is such a negative narrative um, to dismiss or discount Bitcoin mining. You know, not to like get off on another tangent, but, you know, in my view that uh, my view is that these energy companies need to be respected because we need onshore energy production for our national security. Mm -hmm. And if you don't understand that after watching the Russia-Ukraine situation and the threat that Europe felt, you know, this past winter, potentially not having enough power, then I, I don't know. I mean, you, 
you got to realize that onshore production or or U.S. production of mm-hmm. energy assets is critical to our not only our our national um, economy, you know, our our U.S. economy, but is critical to our security. Yeah. And when people begin to understand that owning Bitcoin not only protects them personally, right? It is wealth that cannot be taken from you, no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, companies will also begin to understand that. Nation states now understand that, right? I mean, y'all know um, Milena Mayorga, yeah, um, who came and spoke at your fantastic Empower conference this year, and who I had a chance to mm-hmm. interview on your podcast. Um, like El Salvador figured it out. Yeah, yeah. I I think it is absolutely detrimental to our nation that you know. See, and I believe that CNBC and Warren Buffett all play a part in, you know, putting nails in the coffin mm-hmm. of the strength of the U.S. economy. I mean, Warren Buffett actively, you know, dismisses or insults Bitcoin because he's, you know, Berkshire Hathaway Energy has announced two years ago that they're going to spend $10 billion to build 10 peaker plants in Texas. Well, let me just tell you that those 10 peaker plants, basically, he hatched a deal where they'll put the the infrastructure in, right? They'll put the cost in, but Mm -hmm. they get a guaranteed rate of return of like 8 to 10%. Mm -hmm. But guess who really pays for those? Yeah. I think we as individuals will see, um, I looked this up the other day, I think it's like $1.46 a month on our bill all the way up to an industrial user of power will pay like $60 a month. Jeez. Like that is a tap. That is ridiculous. Yeah. You don't need to do that. We we in Texas don't need peaker plants. Right. We, uh, Greg Abbott has come out and said we should refurbish, uh, we should winterize our energy assets here yeah. in Texas. You know, there is enough. There, there, the problem with the storm wasn't that there wasn't enough power it was that nothing was winterized right yeah um but we know that as society grows our need for energy grows that does not mean that the answer is a peaker plant and i would offer that the answer is letting bitcoin miners come in and do what they do best which is um you know build out their own economy um they coordinate economic economic activity in order to make a product and by doing so they're you know revitalizing small towns etc 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 but if i'm a bitcoin miner and i have access to the grid and i'm let's say i'm tapped into the grid i'm riot right Mm -hmm. in rockdale i have 500 megawatts i'm tapped into ERCOT. they have developed that that was not there before Right. It, it was it was an Alcoa plant, but it was not in a productive state to add to ERCOT. So now it's up. It's operational. I mean, they've negotiated long term contracts with ERCOT, um, like some five year and some 10 year contracts with ERCOT, basically where they've locked in their power cost. Right. But they've also agreed that when ERCOT needs the power, they'll turn off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So them turning off and a power a peaker plant from Berkshire Hathaway turning on are essentially accomplishing the same thing except for you and I are paying 
insurance for peaker plants that, by the way, the peaker plant gets paid, you know, they get paid for not producing any energy. They get paid 365 days a year for not doing anything at all. That seems like a scam. Yeah. It's a total <laughs> scam. <laughs> you know, so riot turning off and a peaker plant turning on accomplishes the same thing, right? Power on the grid. Right. So why not? I mean, we are America. What, what, I mean, this is like a communist solution yeah, to power. It comes down to capitalism. Right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Crazy town. And that's why I get the nickname of like being a zealot, which I love. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know about that, though. That's really yeah. interesting. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. Go read I, about I, it. I do not like I know. I, I do not like um, I I used to read all of the investor reports from Berkshire Hathaway. You know, he'd write a letter. Um, I'd watch the conferences. Like, I'd sit there all day on a Saturday and consume all that garbage. And now I'm like, no, he's fine looking after one thing, right? It's his entity. Mm-hmm. But I would offer that, you know, Bitcoin miners are motivated Um by money and greed, as they should be, right? Every business should be motivated to produce something that's economically right. viable. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're actually doing a service for you know every person that owns Bitcoin. Yeah, right. They're they're securing, helping, and what I mean by that is so when those Bitcoin mining computers come, when they turn on and they run the protocol. Um, every one of those that comes on the grid strengthens the system. And so if you think about that, like, let's think about like when telephones were first invented. Mm-hmm. The strength of the telephone network might have been Alexander Graham Bell and his friend who lived across town. There were two telephones, right? I would say to you, that's not a very strong network, right? You know, the the telephone networks today are very strong, right? And that's the same with Bitcoin mining. When it started, you could mine Bitcoin on your regular computer because it just didn't take very much power to do it. And there were 10 people, I think, the first interesting. That makes sense. But now there's loads of people all over the world that are mining Bitcoin. So every one of those that comes on, every one of those ASIC computers that comes on is securing the network. Mm -hmm. And by securing the network, you're securing the property it can be held by every human on earth, regardless of property rights. Bitcoin is the only form of property that can be held by every human on earth, regardless of property rights. When we talked about that a lot on the last um, podcast with Justin, that empower about how it's giving you know power back to the people, giving people in underprivileged economies the ability to make their own money and have a currency, you know, that can't be taken by corrupt governments and doesn't matter based on your social social stature or anything. Does not. Well, and it, it um, I think I posted on LinkedIn today about this. It, so money, Bitcoin is money. It's all it is. It's money. And money is a representation of your energy, mm-hmm. right? You guys all got up. You all drove to this phenomenally <laughs> awesome office. Um, you ate breakfast. You came to work. 
presumably, I don't know when you get paid once a month, twice a month, whatever, you're going to get paid and you're going to get paid in dollars. Mm -hmm. And then it's your decision. How best do I preserve my energy that I've just been paid for in dollars? Do I buy Apple stock? Do I buy Bitcoin? Do I buy, um, I don't know, a Chanel bag, a Ferrari? Like what, what do I buy with these dollars, right. right? Those are all choices where we're trying to figure out how to preserve our energy, mm-hmm. right? Money is an expression of energy. I love that. Yeah, so me too. Money is a, and money and Bitcoin is a call option. So back to my trading days, it is a call option on any good or service that you may want in the future. Mm-hmm. So it is a, it is a choice that we all have in America, which is a, which is a, a choice that if, again, like if you're not grateful for the choice to be able to figure out how to preserve your wealth, you're not waking up on the right side of the bed because in many countries they can't hold dollars. In some countries they can't even hold their own currency, right? Like they're not allowed to save. That's insane. That that is sad. It is sad. Yeah, it is true. So, you know, I... I believe that we all fell out of the lucky tree. We were all born in America. We get to live here. We get to work here. Right. Um, I think working is, you know, God-given privilege. Uh, I've worked since I was 14 years old. Um, I love working. But if we're going to work, you know, we got to preserve that in the best way we can. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I... I see a big comparison to um, having access to cheap and reliable energy too. Like that's yep. a privilege of ours that um, a lot of people take for granted. And the same thing, like those same countries who can't have a savings account, they don't have access to right. energy. Okay. So I really love the Empower Conference. Um, I will say my favorite panel was the panel that I was on, not because I was on it, but because... Um, <laughs> The tonic. Well, yeah. Um, Gideon Powell, like people need to look him up, and he's not the greatest tweeter of all time. <laughs> but if you could ever hear him speak, or even better, if you could ever like be within ten feet of the guy, mm-hmm. I mean, he really talks about um, what you just said, like re- reliable access to energy. But energy poverty is a thing mm-hmm. right and we don't we don't feel it here because we wake up and we turn the switch and our lights come on right but um most of the world lives in in an energy poverty situation and so what is energy poverty how is that actually defined energy po- poverty is officially defined as um less than four hours access to energy a day okay that's Less insane. than four hours. Think of, of access. All the things like a, a fridge that's on twenty four seven. My computers. I've got computers yes. that are on twenty four hours a day. Yeah. Um, yeah. When I went to Africa a few years ago, uh, my daughter and I uh, went and we volunteered at a um, at a school. It was where and the kids all lived there. There was no power except for meal time, dinner time, mm. and. Even like their water heaters, the the um, so we lived with I don't know four or five or six little kids, and then they had two mamas that lived mm-hmm. in the houses with these kids. 
we lived there and the mamas would go haul wood by hand every day to like this huge steel drum that was next to their water heater and they'd heat water so that everybody could like hop in a two-minute hot shower wow right like again i mean i feel like a lot of our problem maybe in the u.s is that we're so u.s focused yeah which is okay like we all focus on the things that we're around but when you start to travel and when you travel to places that are not developed it gives you this sense of how much how integral energy is to our success and to our health yeah yeah so the narrative that we need to use less energy i would offer that the esg narrative is has been absolutely dangerous to america Mm -hmm. Um, we don't need to use less energy. We need to use more energy. Energy leads to, <clears throat> obviously, human flourishing. It also leads to better education statistics and better health statistics. Um, energy, energy, energy is is our heartbeat. It is the heartbeat of our country and of economic freedom. So anyway, I I love the Empower Conference, but please go back, um, y'all that are watching, go back and and pull up some of these panels, especially um, there were a couple that touched on more subjects uh, like, you know, energy, energy poverty or energy mm-hmm. justice. It's, I didn't really know much about it until I actually researched for, for that panel. I've heard Gideon talk about it. And I mean, it was just, you sit there and you go. I know you just want to like, it makes you wonder why the rest of the world, like we're, not the rest of the world, the rest of the U.S. that are, you know, I would say climate doers. Um, like, how do they not know this? I don't know. Or how, why do you not care? Why do you not care about the other countries who are still burning wood to be able to have a cooked meal mm-hmm. in their house, by the way, which is terrible for your health? So it's just it's wild. Mm-hmm. I don't know the answer, but. Well, and when you started and you said, you know, for us here, we flip a switch and the light comes on and it's, we talk about it all the time, how the majority of Americans flip that switch, but actually have no idea where their energy is actually coming from. Right. And what goes into it. They just turn it on, plug a phone in, go about their day. Yeah. They have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wish I could remember the details of this, but I was on the phone the other night with, um, my coworker James Collins, and he has studied economic and monetary history. Like it, it is incredible. He is a wealth of knowledge. But we were talking about how did wokeism start, right? And to me, that's a really relatively new term. Mm-hmm. But it's actually an old concept that apparently started like decades ago, where um, economics teachers or professors were basically incentivized to go join universities and i guess their salaries were paid by like these people outside of the university or some sort of an agreement where um, they would basically go in and teach this specific kind of economics right and and it's like this idea of um you know inflation is 
is okay. I mean, it just, it, all of the things that have transpired in education um, have helped, I think, move these terrible narratives forward. Yeah. It makes you really not trust any education. Like, how do you yeah. know that you can trust what you're learning? Even in, like, elementary schools right now, how can you trust those history books that that's the full history of what happened? It's not. No, it's and not. And it's so crazy how many things we were brainwashed with Mm-hmm. that we thought was true and it's just <laughs> completely wrong and yeah how do we trust our kids in that education system I don't know I'm kind of glad I'm out of that although yeah. it, I know it's not new right but my kids are in it wish me luck just take them out as much as you can I have the homeschool did you yeah, I I miss it, but I also really enjoy working. And yeah. I finally um, had a talk with my ego, and I can't do both, no matter how much I preach that I could do both. Yeah, yeah. No, it's hard to do everything. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, I have a question, kind of as we wrap up. So I feel like we talked about it a lot today, and you are so knowledgeable. Where could people like us, people who may be new to the space, just want to get more info? high level, deep dive, especially on this energy poverty front, what are some good resources, websites, people to follow that we can help push out? Um, Other than you, of course. No, yeah, no, there are so many great folks. You know, pay, pay attention, go back and look at the Empower Conference and look at the speakers, look yeah. at the panels and look at the speakers. That's that's where I would generate my mm-hmm. list from. Yeah. Because um, that's I'm sure y'all have got that out yeah. on yeah. the World Wide Web. Yeah, I love that. I think what we can do, too, is in the show notes, we can, you know, link all of this. Yeah. Um, is Twitter your place where you kind of like that's where you le- go to learn? Do yeah, like um, I, I do. I tell people all the time, like, you know, I'll ask people outside of the Bitcoin ecosystem, are you on Twitter? And they'll say, oh, no you know, I hate it. I hate the whatever. Um, and I've probably gone from that side to the, I'm on Twitter all the time because when you curate a list of folks to follow, uh, and I, and I don't mean curate, like make it, um, limited, but y- you will learn an incredible amount mm-hmm. from folks that are out there writing, mm-hmm. doing work. Um, I, didn't even know about there's a, a an analyst at River Financial who I just started following this week. I mean, his research that he's been doing for a few years is has been floating around and I just found it. Now I'm like, you know, finding all of his written work, mm-hmm. reading it. I mean, it's it's really just exposing yourself to the the folks that are producing good content, mm-hmm. right? Not getting trapped in the in the echo chamber of Bitcoin. Um yeah. which you know, it's easy to do, but explore exploring the energy connection to Bitcoin. I think is is really the most interesting because you can approach it from the human rights aspect, right? Um, the health aspect. The this is good for the grid. Um, mm-hmm. This is good for for you know energy development globally. Right. I mean, it goes back to oh my gosh, what is the project Marshall Long? Mm is on in gridless south yes that i love that 
Um, I love Marshall Long. Yeah, me too. We need to get him on here too. You need to I get can. him on here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we, uh, I had a, <laughs> after Empower, I sat next to him at dinner and we had a conversation because after last Empower, I'm like, let's make content together. Let's do something. And <laughs> so we were messaging on Twitter and I, in my mind, I was like, he ghosted me. Like we, we just stopped talking. I'm like, I'm pretty sure you ghosted me. And he's like, no, you pulled a, like, I'm too busy on me. So I was like, uh, forget it. <laughs> I like, I didn't do that. And then I went into my messages and sure enough, I canceled on him twice. I was like, I feel so bad. I was like, I'm so sorry. So we need to get him in here. He's, he's a good time. He's fun. He is fun. This is getting me excited for Empower. I know we have Fuse first, but I'm like, Empower is my favorite. I know. It's, I love the people. All the people in the Bitcoin space are just phenomenal people, one, but two, have really good values that align with my own of just mm -hmm. freedom. And yeah, yeah. Like it's okay. Can, so can I just chime in? I know. Yeah, no, like, you're fine. Um, So somebody asked me yesterday, how do I relate the message of Bitcoin to people? Like, mm -hmm. what, what's the strategy of? of telling people about Bitcoin. And my answer is establishing a value alignment between what you can see that they value and what the values of Bitcoin are. So I'll give you an example. Um, I was at a meeting sitting around a conference room with a family office and I didn't know much about them, but I knew they were in the energy business. And I knew that they um, have some property on the out west in the Rocky Mountains. And I knew that they love to hunt and fish. And I at the, the patriarch of the family was at the meeting and I hadn't said anything, which is surprising. <laughs> and he looked at me and said, I want to know what you think. And I said, well... Can I ask you a question? Do you own Bitcoin? And he said, you tell me. And I said, all right, well, here's what I know about you. You've been in the energy business your whole life. Mm -hmm. You love the Rocky Mountains. You love to hunt and fish. You love to be outdoors and be with your family more than anything else. And if you align with those values, you align with liberty, freedom, and private property. And if you align with liberty, freedom, and private property, you align with Bitcoin. Yeah. And he started laughing and I said, so do you own Bitcoin? What do you think he said? He said yes. He said yes. I love that. So I, it's, it's funny because you think people are, there's this narrative that like with Bitcoin, it's like, if you are is someone from West Texas. So this example is about my father-in-law. He's, you know, he worked in the oil field his whole life. He um, isn't very technical when it comes to like technology, computer, whatever. Me he here, by the way. <laughs> he reached out to Colin and he's like, how do I invest in Bitcoin? And he's, he, they li now live on a ranch. Like he's your total just West Texas freedom, um, owns land. So it's so funny that you say that because yeah, he they now own Bitcoin too. Yeah. 
it's, I love it's it. easy. I mean, right. It's, it's the right answer. Yeah. Um, and you know, for folks that want, maybe you're watching this for the first time and you're thinking, okay, how do I, how do I even buy Bitcoin? When I started, I was like downloading the Binance website and like looking at it and going, I'm not transferring funds to China or wherever this was. Um, go to a Bitcoin only exchange and buy Bitcoin. And there are, um, there's Cash App, which is not my favorite. I've never bought on Cash App, but people seem to love it. It's Bitcoin only. And I think it's really, really it's easy. Easy access. People easy access. usually have it downloaded already. Right. Yeah. River Financial. Um, again, I think the mothership is buying and holding your private keys, and that would be Unchained Capital. They can help you do that. It's not as scary as it seems. I'm not technical. Um, I, I do know how to turn my computer on, <laughs> um, but you you can hold your own private keys, mm-hmm. right? So your your private keys in Bitcoin are the asset, right? Having having the twelve words, which is like the um, you know, less than the Lord's prayer, right? Like it's <laughs> 12 words is less than a lot that you've already memorized. Yeah. You, you should hold your own private keys. That is the absolute gold standard holding Bitcoin. Yeah. So, um, I always tell people, please reach out to me. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter. We'll tag you and everything. If you, um, if you want to work in Bitcoin, if you want more information, if I can introduce you to folks, if you just want to hop on a 15 minute call, I'm, I'm always willing to do that. Awesome. Amazing. Love it. All right. Cool. Uh, Coming up, we have Energy Tech Night in Oklahoma City on August 10th. Then after that, we are uh, Full Force Infuse, which will be our Energy Tech big conference at the end of October at 713 Music Hall here in Houston. Oh, quick plug for Collide. Yes. We just launched open beta of Collide. Um, So exciting. I know. It's um, a professional network for energy professionals. So... Uh, get on there and start learning. Hopefully it can be a good resource for learning about Bitcoin mining. Yes, Bitcoin absolutely. Well. Yeah. Lisa, you're on. Yes. Yay. Love. I was like one of the first people in your beta. Yeah. Stats. Yeah. Love it. Basically, whatever y'all do, I'm doing. <laughs> okay. We love that. No. Thanks again for coming up. Thanks for having me. Come back yeah, anytime. I will. Thanks. All right. Bye.